Hi, I'm Dee Hicks, and welcome to the School of Leadership, leveraged lessons from high-impact leaders. For the past 30 years, I've researched the disciplines, habits, mental models, and assumptions of the most effective leaders. This podcast takes what I've learned from over 2,000 of these influencers and distills it into practical tools and tips you can use immediately. So let's get started. Welcome. Thanks for taking a few minutes to join me while I'm enjoying this really good cigar. Yep, great cigar. There we go. A nice Nicaraguan cigar put together by the Master Blenders at Oliva. Great cigar. So uh, thanks for joining me. Um, You'll hear some noise in the background because I'm not in our normal studio. Um, Of course, if you've listened to any of our other podcasts, it seems like any time I do a podcast or Donnie and I do a podcast that uh, we're in some kind of setting where the noise is not all that good in the background. Even though we have this really nice studio downtown, but when we get a chance to do a podcast, who knows where we are. And uh, right now, where we are is located in the middle of the Puget Sound area across the water from Seattle. And uh, if you've been following the news or if you're listening to this podcast sometime toward the end of the first quarter of uh, 2020, right around March, April time zone, you know that the coronavirus has been a really, really big deal. If this is uh, several weeks later when you listen to this podcast, hopefully uh, the numbers, uh, the curve is flattened and numbers starting to go down. And we haven't done something really, really silly as a nation by putting things in place that we can't reverse. So at that same time, I'm, I'm actually home right now. And since I want to enjoy a cigar, I'm probably not going to be doing that down in the theater room or in my yet-to-be-finished uh, cigar room. I have a really nice uh, idea around a cigar bar we're putting together in one of the rooms in my house. But that's a ways off. So here I am out in the garage, and you'll probably hear uh, this really lively microphone that I brought home to work on but did not bring the what's called a dead cat. It's this big fuzzy thing that sits over the top of the microphone. I, I'm not really sure what I could do. I tried a few things. <laughs> I tried a, uh, a small hand towel to put over it, and it was very odd and scratchy and muffled, and tried a few things. But uh, hopefully in post-production, we can get rid of some of the background noise and some of the popping that will happen. And I'll try to be uh, mindful of that so I don't drive you a little bit crazy. While we talk about today's theme, which is one of the main jobs that you and I uh, have as leaders. By the way, just to remind you, if you've been around my mind enough, and and uh, of course, it, my mind is the result of a whole bunch of other people's sharper minds. I'm kind of a an assimilator or a synthesizer with a couple of original thoughts, but mostly not. Most of my thoughts are really gained from the wisdom of a bunch of other people. And one of these ideas is that leaders are people who have folks who follow them. We tend to think in uh, Western culture, for sure, and Western industrialized, post-industrialized culture, that a leader is someone who has a position. That position is usually high in the hierarchy, and we are supposed to just follow that person, and then that person is supposed to be a good leader. That's often not the case. Most people in positions are managers if they're higher up in a hierarchy, and that's a skill set that is to be appreciated, but it is not leadership. Leadership is when someone has the ability to Imagine a different future than today that hopefully is better than today. And they are so compelled by that picture of the future that they change their own behavior to get to that future. And then they describe that future, that small future, like next week when something could happen, or or larger future, like how we can be better as a nation, 
to me in such a way that I want that future too. It becomes my future as well. And then I change my behavior, often with the leader's help or advice or mentorship, to get to that future. I am so compelled by that I want it too, and I change my behavior. When I change my behavior, then you've led me. So that's what a leader is. And uh, leaders differ in style, of course, uh, but mostly leaders differ in scope. We, some leaders have a small scope over a short period of time. Some leaders a large, complex scope over a long period of time. So since you are a leader, that's probably why you're listening to this podcast. That's probably how you found it. Perhaps you know me personally, and I'm grateful to know you and count you as a friend. Or perhaps you're someone who stumbled across uh, one of my books. Maybe randomly it popped up on some podcast search. So welcome. As a leader, how do you measure your success? How do you measure your effectiveness? Success probably is too shallow of a word. How do you measure your effectiveness? How effective are you? One of our jobs as a leader is to create clarity. Clarity around where we're going, around the, the result we're trying to achieve at some point in the future. Clarity about what matters. Clarity, clarity, clarity. And then to set up structures and cultures so that we have alignment in achieving that clear future. So clarity and alignment, two jobs. You got two jobs, clarity and alignment. One of the main things we do then within clarity is to ascribe meaning, to help people figure out what things mean. A friend of mine named Bill Lewis several years ago said to me, he felt like as a leader, his main job was to be a meaning-making machine. I think that was pretty close to what he said. So how do we do that? How do we help people understand what things mean? And then drill in more specifically, how do we help folks understand what difficulty means, what challenge means, which we're all experiencing right now on a grand and granular scale? How do we help folks understand what things mean? So imagine a couple of, couple of different events that take place as I illustrate how we do this. One event, imagine, and how we respond to a, say, a frightening event of some sort. Let's imagine someone sneaks up behind you and they have one of those delightful aerosol air horns that you can buy at, at uh, Lowe's or at any kind of automotive store. And uh, they sneak up behind you and they blow that air horn behind you. You have an immediate physiological and then psychological response to that threat. You don't know what it is. It surprised you and it frightens you. And it is very intense. And that intensity spikes immediately. When you turn around and realize that it was someone whom you love playing a practical joke on you, then the physical intensity will drop off fairly, fairly quickly. Within a few seconds, hopefully you don't actually punch the person in the throat or in the throat, like they say in New Jersey. Hopefully you don't do that, but you get over it and maybe you can laugh with the practical joke or maybe you're embarrassed because you screamed like a four-year-old on a playground. <laughs> but you get over it pretty quickly. So imagine that physical and psychological intensity spikes and then it goes away. It goes away fairly quickly. Then there's a second kind of event that takes place where there really is no physiological or psychological threat until we start thinking about it. So let's imagine someone who matters a lot to you, someone in the workplace, someone in your family, they send you a text and all the text says is, we need to talk. And then they add the dreaded dot, dot, dot. And you think, well, okay. And you respond back, sure. When do you want to talk? And about what? And then they don't respond for a few minutes. You wonder, did you just, did you just send the text and throw your phone and run away? What'd you do there? 
Then they get back and they say, oh, oh, nothing, uh, no big deal. Just, I just need to talk. We just need to talk. Maybe tomorrow we can talk. Uh, okay, um, so let's meet tomorrow at 1030 and let's grab a cup of coffee and keep a six foot social distance uh, as appropriate for the times. <laughs> So then you kind of go back to your reruns of Family Guy or uh, Better Call Saul or reading a Kurt Vonnegut short story or whatever you were doing when you got the text. And then you start to think about it. And then you start to wonder, well, what does that person want to talk about? Uh, could it be this? Could it be that? Could it be this? And then you start wondering what that means. And you kind of pet the fur off of it and start to worry about it a little bit more and then more, and then more. And now the physiological and neurological intensity rises to where you begin to feel physically the actual threat. And it rises and rises and rises slowly until you're actually in a full-on threat mode. Not quite as intense as the air horn, but similar. You'll notice that your focus begins to fuzz a little bit. You don't hear people talking to you as well. You didn't notice the last line of the TV show that you were watching, or you kind of lost your way on a page in, in Kurt Vonnegut's novel, and you had to back up and read that page again. And you, you begin to lose your way, and you get into what we call cognitive tunneling. You worry only about what the person says. Now, if you haven't learned a lot of skills in this area about what to do with that, you probably will start to worry. Worry is simply low-grade fear anyway, so it starts to simmer a little bit in you, and then it simmers and grows and grows and grows. What are you actually doing? What am I doing in that moment, or in those moments, or hours, <laughs> or days? What we're doing is we're trying to come up with meaning behind that simple text. We need to talk, dot, dot, dot. The meaning that I give it is the reason why I go into that fear and threat mode. It's not the text. It's not even the three dots. It's the meaning that I give it. So take that simple idea, the meaning we give to events, and attach that to one of the responsibilities that you and I have as leaders. And understand that when folks are under pressure and afraid at all, or even a little bit, by the way, fear is stress. Stress is fear. They're the same thing. So use the two words interchangeably. It'll help a lot. What you and I are doing as leaders is to try to help people when they are afraid slash stressed, help them come to a more appropriate, effective meaning about that event or that series of events. How do we do that? How do we help people come up with, and you'll hear my creaky chair in my garage right here, even as I'm moving, I'm animated as I'm talking about this, because this is fascinating to me. And where I've succeeded as a leader, I've done this well. Where I've failed, I've done this so poorly. How do we help people come up with the right meaning? How do we help ourselves come up with the right meaning? Well, there's a few things. So the first thing is that you and I need to understand the context in which that event lives. Let's go back to the year 400 BC. There was a Chinese general who said, translated into English, it is impossible to understand a problem unless we understand thoroughly the age in which that problem lives. So this is what I call context. Put the thing a person is experiencing in context and keep zooming out on that context to get bigger and bigger until it takes on a more appropriate meaning. It has to have context. Often when we're afraid, we feel like it's the only time this has ever happened, or this is the first thing, and it, and it, it's so intense, and we respond 
On a Zoom call today with a bunch of friends, one of the most effective leaders I know was talking about the current coronavirus outbreak and our response. And she had about a two minute conversation with us about putting it in context of other large historical crises that we as a nation here in the United States have faced over time. And just putting it in that context, in the right context, uh, helped put all of this into a light where we could give it its appropriate meaning. And when we put things in context, we, we draw comparisons and contrasts. So context is about zooming out and compare with other things that have happened like this, contrast with things that are different. So, for example, we're more connected now than we've ever been. Uh, so we have the ability to manage this current pandemic differently than we had the ability even back when 9-11 occurred in the United States. We were not as connected digitally, communication-wise, with devices as we are now. This connectivity actually can work for us because it enables us to still reach out, to be productive, to love people, to genuinely be connected with people, even though we have to be apart in some parts of the country. But the downside of that connectivity is that we are flooded with all kinds of information and news, and much of it is irrelevant, and much of it is only touching the high spots on the waves. It's skipping along the top and not getting at what's under it, but you're well aware of that. That's for another discussion. So that's number one. Help us come up with the appropriate meaning for things as a leader by putting them in their appropriate context. Now, don't be lazy about that. Take time. Think and put things in the right context. Here's the second idea. Remember why you started. Remember why you started. Now, for an organization, that might have to do with a mission. You may not have a mission for yourself as an individual. Very few people do. But you do know why you started. You do know why you started this business. You do know why you started that policy or that endeavor or that investment or that relationship or that project. You know why you started. Remember it. And uh, if that is in a mission statement, even better. So we want to remind folks that we have a mission and here's why we started. The third idea is often what is the most challenging for us in difficult times, whether they be microscopic difficult times, like the text message with the three dots, or macro difficulty, like what many of us are experiencing right now, is a conflict of values, or better yet, a clash of values. We have a bunch of values, but they're colliding with one another. We like the value of adventure, but we also want the value of security. We love the value of generosity and caring for others, but we also want to make sure that we have enough for ourselves or for our own family. We want the value of innovation and trying new things, but we also have the value of not taking inadvertent and incorrect risks. So values, let's call value A compared to value B, in clash are one of the reasons why we don't know what things mean. So as a leader, I need you to help me understand why value A in this setting is more important than value B. That's the third thing. So put things in the right context, remember why we started, and, and help us understand that what we're experiencing in part is a clash of values. Someone sneaks up behind me and blows an air horn. This is not exactly true, but the illustration might work. I have a clash of values. <laughs> One value is my own security, and the other value is, is uh, wanting to punch a person in the face or not, you know, to be kind to somebody for doing that. <laughs> it's a clash of values. That's a silly illustration. You get my point. Here's a fourth idea that I found to be so incredibly helpful. 
and that is time travel. That is to do the mental experiment of moving ahead in time and imagining a couple of outcomes. And notice, are you just imagining the outcomes that are dire or are you imagining the outcomes that are positive as well? And when we time travel, when we imagine a year from now, or when we imagine 10 weeks from now, whatever we do, when we go out in that time, notice what you think. Are you thinking it's all awful and icky and I've got to do something now to deal with it? Or am I thinking there's probably opportunity in there somewhere? Is there opportunity? So what we develop as leaders is the ability to help things have their appropriate meaning by looking for opportunity and looking for leverage. So there's four ideas. Put things in the right context. Remember why you started help understand that what we are often experiencing is a clash of values, not your value against mine, but my value against mine. And that's an important thing to understand. And then do a little bit of time travel. That's the fourth thing. Kind of run out there in time and see, are there opportunities in this that maybe we could start preparing for right now? That's really, really important. Uh, last thought. When you and I are in difficulty, we tend to naturally, rightly so, we tend to try to avoid pain try to avoid difficulty and pain and struggle because it doesn't feel good. The message to our survival brain is run away uh, or attack it, uh, get rid of the pain, get rid of the pain. Carly Simon's song from back in the day, I Haven't Got Time for the Pain, comes to mind <laughs> as our national anthem occasionally. Here's, here's a thought. Recognize the pain and where it's coming from. Embrace it. Lean into it because pain is merely information. Don't ignore it. Find out what it says. All right, so I hope you're having a great time as a leader. I hope you're enjoying uh, as much as you possibly can, getting a few things done around the house while you're stuck at home, if you're still there, if you're listening to this during that period of time. If you're listening to this as we've emerged from all of this, uh, look around and make sure that you reach out to people and tell them how much you appreciate them. Simplify your life. Have a great day. I'm going to enjoy the rest of this cigar. That's a good cigar. Good cigar. Be good yourself. Thanks for joining me in today's School of Leadership. This podcast is part of the Archimedes Experiment, leveraged wisdom from the world's most effective leaders. If you're interested in more, go to my website, dhicks.com. Remember, my first name has only one E. Well, you'll find more short and helpful podcast books and blog posts. If this was helpful, maybe even share it with some of your friends. Have a great day.